I am going to finish our series tonight. We've been talking about the high call of holiness. I know it's been several weeks. I hope you've enjoyed this series. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope that it's been a help to you. When we talk about holiness, there's so many facets of holiness. That's the nature of God. It's, It's who He is. And He said, because I am holy, I want you to be holy. And that means we should give it our best effort. No one's asking you on this side of glory to be perfect. We don't think you're going to accomplish that. As long as we are people, and as long as we have this, as Paul called it, corruption, that will eventually one day, thank God, put on incorruption. But as long as we have this corruption, and as long as, as we have this temporal body, uh, we are going to struggle. We're going to have our difficulties. No one's asking you to be perfect, but we are asking you to strive. Everybody say strive. God wants us to strive. He wants to ma- us to make the effort to be like Him. And, and if He didn't think it were possible for us to attempt to be like Him, He would have not asked us to be like Him. So he never calls us to do anything that he cannot empower us to do. Anybody thankful for the grace of God? Amen. Some people don't really understand what grace is. Uh, Some people think grace is a blank check that that takes care of anything we do. And and, uh, we can just always appeal to the grace of God, knowingly do something we know that offends him and yet will appeal to the grace of God and he'll overlook everything. That's not what grace is. Grace is the supernatural help of God. That's what grace is. It is God's supernatural help that comes alongside of us and and lets us know uh, that, that he is going to strengthen us to do whatever the task is at hand. And in this case, it is the pursuit of holiness, the high call of holiness. And so we want to we want to strive for that. Amen. Uh, so tonight will be the last lesson. We've talked about so many different things, and I'm going to finish tonight talking about the tongue and the importance of controlling our tongue. And while I am while I'm discussing the tongue, I would also say that in 2019, we now have some modern extensions of the tongue, right? <laughs> it's called keyboards. It's called phones, and uh, I'm 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 looking at the other day. I was I was just kind of thinking I I need to challenge myself a little bit. Um, I there, there's a pastor who's a great man of God in Maryland, uh, who's who's been just a tremendous uh, tremendous help to so many by the name of Ron Libby. And Brother Libby is now dealing with the effects of Alzheimer's. And he's, he's only in his uh, late 60s, I believe, maybe right around 70. Not a, not a very old man at all. And, and he's dealing with Alzheimer's, and uh, it's, it's getting pretty bad. And so I was thinking to myself, that that's one of the things that has that always uh, been a little bit of a... a uh, big shadow to me. I don't want anybody to have to fight that disease. And so uh, I was thinking, you know, it wouldn't hurt me to do something to try to keep my mind sharp, and and I don't know if it would help anything, but but maybe it would if I would apply myself to something I don't know how to do. So I thought, I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. (laughs) 
why are y'all laughing at me? I see how much confidence you all have in me here tonight. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm going to, I called, I haven't even told my wife this, I called and set myself up for lessons, and, um, and I'm going to try to learn to play the guitar. Thank you, Sister Bonnie. I appreciate your vote of confidence. <laughs> And uh, I, I don't know if I should have said that, because if I decide to quit, now some of y'all could hold my feet to the fire on it. Um, anyway, and my thoughts were, I'll just try to, and I thought, so my brother was trying to show me some chords. On, he knows just a, a few chords, and he was trying to show, show me some chords on the guitar. And, and I was trying to do that, and I was thinking, how am I supposed to make my fingers move in such small spaces that quickly? And... And, and learn all that, and then I thought to myself, you hypocrite, you get on your phone and you text somebody and your finger, bah, 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 bah. am I the only one? Right? <laughs> Terry, you got this down too, don't you? Bah, bah, bah. You know, I can just text, 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 and, 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 and your fingers just move not even, not even inches, you know, and, and you're getting all this information out, and so I thought if we can do that, surely we can learn to play the guitar, right? So, we'll, so y'all be praying for me, all right? Uh, but those, uh, our phones and, and our keyboards and all that stuff have become extensions of our tongue. So when I deal with the tongue, I'm, I'm dealing with what is expressed, what is expressed. And so uh, I think it's important that we would include that as well. James 3, verses 1 through 12, he writes and he says this, My brethren, <clears throat> I'm going to read... Uh, Chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth, notice that, <clears throat> the tongue has the ability that it can defile the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive trees, either a vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. 
So James gives us this discourse here. It's very powerful. And he begins to talk about the importance of our tongue and controlling our tongue. And so uh, I want to deal with that tonight in this last lesson on the high call of holiness because controlling our tongue is a part of our holiness. <clears throat> Somebody said, well, I'm going to call it and I'm going to tell things like they are. I'm going to call it like I see it and, and blah, 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 blah. Well, you can, you can do all of that. You can do all of those things, but you can also do all of those things in contradiction to what God wants you to do. And so we better be careful that in our desire to, to be ourselves, in our desire to uh, be authentic, that we do not cross swords with what God is calling us to do. And it is important. Uh, Paul would say in the New Testament, he would say, My children, of whom I travail over you again, until Christ be formed in you. You've been born again. You were born again of water. You were born again of the Spirit. You've done what Jesus told Nicodemus had to be done in John 3 in order for you to see the kingdom of heaven. You've done that. But he said, now I'm travailing that not only would you be born again, now I'm travailing that Christ would be formed in you. That's what the apostle Peter was dealing with when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That's born again of water. Uh, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born again of spirit. Peter dealt with John 3 whenever he told them to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name. And they, they would receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He dealt with that, with, with that first part. But then he turns around and the Bible says, and with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. This generation that is not toward anything. This generation that is not, uh, that, that is not set on the things that they should be set on. They move with the culture. They move with the winds of doctrine that would blow in. And so he said, you, not only do you need to be saved according to the new birth, but now you need to save yourself. And so that is allowing Christ to be formed in us. And when we allow the holiness of God to take over our lives, it doesn't just change um, where we go. It doesn't just change how we appear, Pentecostals, but it also changes how we think. It also changes how we speak. And we need to be careful that we quit dismissing our tongue and saying, well, that's just me. I'm gonna, and I've heard some people say, well, the Bible says that you need to mark them. And, and I, Well, okay, but marking them does not always mean blasting them. And that's not what he was saying. When he said mark them, that was for your own benefit. That's for your own benefit. There are, there are, that when people are, are out of doctrine and when people are are out of step with, with the things of God. I don't have to put them on public blast. I'm not doing them any good when I do that. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm typically pushing them away. And we tend, and let me just time out and, and, and say this here, but we tend to be all about, if, if somebody's going to do that, they tend to be all about doing that until it comes to them and theirs. 
Hello. You know, I'll call you out on your stuff, but don't call my kids out. Well. Right? And and I can say some things about some stuff, but don't you don't you, you know, say some things that'll push my kids away. I want it to be that anybody that walks in the doors of this church, anytime they walk in the doors of this church, they know where we stand. Because I'm going to preach where we stand. There's no question around here where we stand. Y'all know where we stand around here. Guests are going to know that. They, they're here just uh, any length of time, really. They're going to know where we stand on some things. I, I don't hide any of that. But at the same time, I'm not trying to push anybody out the door either. And just because somebody walks in the door with something that I don't agree with, I'm sure not going after them. What are we doing? We're trying, we're trying to love people as, as Christ has loved people. And so we need to make sure our tongue lines up with all of those things. And, and we don't claim holiness everywhere else except for that thing that can, uh, that can cause the whole body to be found uh, defiled. All right? So... <clears throat> the tongue, here's, here's some of the things James tells us. James says that the tongue is an unruly member. What does that mean? That means it's a part of your body that has real difficulty in being tamed and controlled. How many know it's true? How many of you have said something in the last... De- no. In the, in the last week, month, year, that you wish you could take it back. Anybody done that besides me? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only sinner here tonight, okay? (laughs) Why is that? I thought we were filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought we'd been baptized in Jesus' name. What happened? It's an unruly member. It's an unruly member. And you know what happened? We, 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 instead of listening to the Spirit of God saying, hold on, hold on, hold on, don't do that, we, got, we allowed our flesh to overcome us for a few moments and overrule us, and we said something that we regretted later. It's just so easy for us to do. And so James is, James is making this point. It's an unruly member. Matter of fact, he said, he said uh, it, it, because it's such a small thing, it's, it's the thing that can, can even direct the entire body. He said it like this. It can defile the body. That's the negative sense. In the positive sense, he said it can control the body. That's why we put bits in the horse's mouths. What does a bit do? It puts pressure on the tongue. And, and when that bit begins to put pressure on the tongue, the horse has to respond to that. Uh, we've, uh, I just got a little inspiration. It's, it's, it's nice being a horse guy because, because you get things come to you. So... Uh, Whenever we've got one of our animals that, that is wanting to toss its head and throw its head when you're, when you're riding it, and it, it wants to, to keep tossing that head, trying to get a hold of that bit so you can't control it, one of the things we do is we'll take what, what is called a, a tie-down. We've got homemade ones, bungees, and, and what it does is we connect it to the, to the bit, and then we connect it to the sense that goes around their stomach. And it, it's bungee, so it'll stretch. And when that horse lifts its head, it, there's immediate pressure on it saying, come down, come down, pulling on that tongue. And the horse learns that if it will lower its head, that pressure will go away. And so we'll ride it that way for, for a little while if we're having problems with that. I'd like to give some people some of those sometime. 
I'd like to give some people some of those and, and, and say, you know, cause, because you know, why, you know why we're doing that to that animal? Because that animal just on, on instinct throws its head up. Instinct, instinct. It's not even, and then we teach it that, hey, you need to think before you throw your head up. And we train it to, to say, oh, if I do this, I'm about, it's going to hurt. And so it's going to put pressure on me. So I don't want it to do that. So I won't throw my head up. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit of God to work like that in our lives. Holiness. Holiness. Where we get to the point where we don't just pop off at somebody. And we don't just say things that we regret later. If anybody is going to be able to, to keep their cool in a situation, it should be the people of God. Well, I'm a, I may be a Christian, but I'm still a person. Well, let me ask you a question. Where's your citizenship? Are, 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 are you after the flesh, fleshly, or are you after the spirit, spiritual? That's what Paul would ask. Are, are, are you a citizen of there, or are you a citizen of here? Because you're not going to have it both ways. No man can serve God and mammon. You're going to have to make choices. You have to make decisions. So just that little bit in the mouth can control the, the whole body. And I am telling you tonight that how we allow our tongue, uh, whether we control that or not, will control our entire spiritual existence. Did you hear what I just said? How we do or do not control our tongue will determine our entire spiritual existence. Some people are negative because all they ever say are things that are negative. And because all they ever talk about is what's negative, all they ever see is what's negative. And it becomes a vicious cycle. They say something negative, and then they see it. And then because they see it, they say it. And because they say it, they're going to see it. And it keeps going over and over and over again. But James told us, you can't have sweet water and bitter water coming out of the same fountain. You're going to have to make up your mind what you're going to do with this thing called the tongue. So it is an unruly member, but we need to make sure that we get it under control. Uh, it reveals the condition of the heart. And I won't go to, to all of these scriptures that I have tonight. But uh, if you wanted to write them down, Psalm 19 and 14. Psalm 141 and 3, Colossians 4 and 6, Titus 2 and 8. They all reveal to us, uh, the, uh, excuse me, I'm sorry, that was for, for another point. Matthew 12, 34 through 37, 15 and 18. It reveals the condition of the heart. How uh, from, from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever's in you is what is going to be spoken from you. So we reveal a whole lot about ourselves when we never have anything positive to say. We reveal a whole lot about ourselves when we can find something wrong with everything. It is telling everybody around us the condition of our hearts. I want, I want the condition of my heart to be right with God. I want the condition of my heart... To, to, to be a testimony to everybody around me that I am caught up with the good things of God. Are there negative things? You better believe there's a lot of negative things in this world. Are there negative things in the church? You better believe there's negative things in the church. Is there negative things to do with certain people? You better believe 
There's negative things to do with certain people. And we could talk about all that stuff, and we could major on all that stuff if we wanted to. But we're not helping anything. But if we'll let sweet water flow out of the depths of our soul, we give a testimony of what God is able to do. Uh, I, I, I happen to know a minister, and, and he's, he's somewhere between north, south, east, and west of here. Okay? He's not close, so don't think anybody close, all right? He's not close to us here. But uh, the only things I ever hear him say about God's church are negative things. It's the only things I ever hear him say. The only things he ever has to say about God's church are negative. And I, and I have thought to myself, why in the world would I ever come to your church? Why in the world would I ever want to be a part of what you're a part of? When you find so much wrong with it, why would I want anything at all to do with it? Now, I'm just going to tell you, let's, let's take our blinders off tonight and let's be real. Is there, are, are, is there hypocrisy in God's church? Yes. But my goodness, Jesus had 12 and one of them he called the devil. And, the, uh, and, and another one, he even said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. And, and, I mean, he didn't have a perfect record. What makes you think this church is going to have a perfect record? What makes you think anybody's church is going to have a perfect It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. But Jesus didn't go around running his disciples down to everybody either did he why because he was trying to 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 get a group of people together who would propagate his gospel who would become a part of that church that he would establish uh, on the rock of the revelation that peter had and so he's he's, he's trying to get all these people together and, and get everybody focused on the same thing we need to make sure we're doing the same thing everywhere we go we're a minister some way somehow Everywhere we go, we're a testimony one way or the other, either of the good things of God or all the negative things we see. We've got to make sure that our hearts are right. And I'm just going to tell you, if, if all you see is what's negative, your heart is not right. Is that all right? Your heart is not right if all you see is what's negative. We must control our speech. Uh, it can hinder our blessing from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 8. If you could give that, uh, put that up on the screen for me, please. Isaiah 59, <coughs> excuse me, verses 1 through 8. Y'all pray for me. I can't get over this cough that's been bothering me. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God's speaking to them. He tells them, he said, listen to me and understand something. My hand's not short and it can't save. My ear's not heavy that it cannot hear. But watch this. There's not a period there. There was a colon. But your iniquities, everybody say iniquities. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Now is that powerful? Your iniquities, your sins have caused a separation between you and God that he will not hear you. For your hands, 
listen to all of this. Your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. That's not just perverseness in the sense of what we think of it as in our, cult, our Western culture. Perverseness is anything that is changing the things of God. Your mouth, your tongue's uttered perverseness. None calls for justice. Nobody's pleading for truth. They trust in vanity and they speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace, hear that right there. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not find peace. Israel found themselves in a place where they desired the blessings of the Lord. They wanted the hand of God on them and their nation. But they did not understand why all of those things had been removed from them. And Isaiah tells them, it's not because God's arm is shortened. It's not because God's ear is unable to hear. But it's because of your iniquity that you've lost your blessing. And the remainder of that passage shows us that they were guilty of of hatching cockatrice eggs. This hatching of these eggs refers to the sin of the tongue. Namely, backbiting and gossip. God's dealing with Israel is a strong warning to us as to how God views sins of the tongue. God hates it. Everybody say he hates it. God hates the sin of the tongue. Tailbearing is, when it's defined, it is gossip in a negative meaning of the word. And let us please be careful. I know that sometimes there is information that needs to be shared. And I get that. And I'm not, I'm not talking about we put our heads in the sand and we don't talk about things that need to be talked about. <laughs> I get there are sometimes things that need to be shared. Things that need to be explained. Things that need to be used as a warning for others. I understand that. But that should be done privately. I wish somebody would say amen right there. That should be done privately. That should never be done with the wrong intention in our hearts. And whether the people we're trying to tell it to know whether we've got wrong intentions or not, I tell you that God does know if we have wrong intentions or not. And when we do those things with malice or intent to hurt or intent to cause somebody's reputation to be besmirched, we are doing that to our own peril. And God will hold us accountable for these things. Oh Lord, help us. Help us, God, to not tell bear, to not gossip, to not share these things with wrong intentions. Backbiting is speaking evil, mean things about a person. We don't need any backbiting. We don't need anybody to speak evil. I thank God for this church. We're very blessed 
in this church. We're not a perfect church. I'm sure there are times that these principles that I am teaching tonight are contradicted by those of us in this church from time to time. I'm sure that's going to happen. But by and large, this has never been a church where gossip has been the order of the day. And I thank God for that. And I thank you for that. We need to do everything we can to guard that. We need to do everything we possibly can to keep that from happening. If anybody ever comes to you to run down a brother or a sister, and again, we're not fighting this, but this is preventative preaching right here, okay? If anybody ever comes to you to run down a brother or sister, you need to say, hold on right there. I don't think that's anything I really need to hear. And if you really think I need to hear it, then, then why don't you take... Take, take me to the pastor and share it with me in front of him. That might really determine how much we think somebody needs to hear something. Isn't that amazing? Uh, we need to be careful. We need to guard these things. Slander. We don't need slander. That is false or unverified rumors that defame somebody. We don't need to slander anybody based on uh, information that we think we may know. We need to be careful. And we need to be careful because even truths can be tail-bearing if they are told to somebody who, A, does not need to know, or B, if it's told just in order to harm their reputation. Here's a good, here's a good piece of advice for all of us. If you're not a part of the problem, and if you're not a part of the solution, then you probably don't need to be talking about it at all. If you're not a part of the problem and you're not a part of the solution, then you probably don't need to talk about it at all. Let's be careful. Let's refrain from tail-bearing. Then there is the thing called sowing discord. Sowing discord. I'm going to tell you just how, just how God feels about sowing discord. Turn to Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 16. <clears throat> Proverbs 6 and 16. Going to read down through 19. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Anybody remember what an abomination is? We talked about that in holiness too, didn't we? It's a hated thing of God. If God did hate it, that means God still hates it. If we're, if we're going to talk about God hates it when we, when, when, when we uh, confuse the genders in dress, then we also need to talk about how God hates it when we do these things. All right? Chapter 6, verse 16. Uh, they're an abomination to him. Verse 17. Here's the first one. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. We do not need to be guilty of sowing discord. When we sow discord, when we do any of these seven things, when we do these things, we do them against God. And we violate the holiness of God. And if we care about God's holiness, then we've got to care about how we talk 
and how we deal with our brothers and our sisters. We've got to be so careful of all of this. Living for God should be something we give our greatest attention to. Would you say amen? <clears throat> the Lord hates anybody who sows discord with our tongues. We can either unify or we can divide. I plan on doing everything I can to unifying everybody I can under the banner of the name of Jesus and in the kingdom of God. I want to do everything I can with this unruly member. I want the spirit to bridle it in my life. So that it can be used to bring people closer to God. I want it to be that when people talk about sanctuary church. People say, I don't, I, let me tell you about that church. I, I may not know everything about those people. But I'll tell you this. They love people there. And they'll build you up there. And they'll say things that will exhort you there. They'll say things that will edify you there. They'll say things that will comfort you there. And that's the litmus test in the New Testament. I don't have it in my notes tonight, but that's the litmus test in the New Testament for what we're talking about. It should edify, exhort, and comfort. And if it doesn't do those things, then we don't have any business talking about it. Edify, build up, exhort, comfort. Let it be those things. Swearing. That's something we should not do. Uh, Christians should always speak the truth. You shouldn't have to swear to get people to believe you. When I, was, when I would joke with my wife when, when we were younger and dating and stuff, because and, I don't know if, how many of y'all saw that little video. She, did she not make the nicest Father's Day video for me? Wasn't that awesome? Just I, I, That was the greatest Father's Day gift. And... <clears throat> and uh, she asked the kids, I don't know what the question was, uh, what, does your, what is your dad good at? And Nora said, pranking. <laughs> and you asked them separately at different times, and, and then she asked Asher, what is your dad good at? And he said, pranking my sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm proud to tell you he's learning from me, okay? He's, he's, he's got the best teaching him, and... and uh, He's learning from me. I, I went to get a shower the other day, and, and he had gotten a shower, and, and I said, just leave the water running. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get a shower myself. And, and so I step into the shower, and, and I, I walk under that cold, ice-cold water. He, and he heard me, ah! And he just fell out laughing. He thought it was the greatest thing in the world. My wife used to get on to me because I'd prank so much and I'd kid around so much, and I still do. And so when I was really trying to let her know I was being honest, I'd say, I promise to God, I promise to God. And, and she'd say, you shouldn't have to talk like that. And she'd start preaching at me and said, yes, ma'am. I'd go to the altar, so I try not to do that stuff no more. We should always speak the truth. You shouldn't have to convince people you're telling the truth. What comes out of our mouth should always be the truth. We should not take the name of the Lord in vain. Exodus 20 and 7 lets us know that we should never do that. We should avoid all vain, irreverent, profane, and trivial uses of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is to be reserved for use in prayer 
His name is to be used in praise. His name is to be used in the, in the uh, exclamation of the gospel to people who need to hear about Him. We don't use the name of the Lord in vain. We don't do that even around the house. We don't need to do that. We don't use slang substitutes of the name of the Lord in vain. We need to be careful with all of that. Filthy communication has no business in the, in the, uh, for the child of God. Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, let us know. Obscene, dirty, vulgar, suggestive language has no uh, place with us. <clears throat> Cursing has no place with us. Pronouncement of a curse upon somebody. Expressing malice, trying to speak things into their life that would be hurtful to them. That's not who we are. That's not our business to pronounce curses on anybody. That's not what we do. What do we do? If we don't have anything good to say, we do what Mama said. We don't say anything at all. We do what Mama said. You leave all of that stuff up to God. And I think that's part of our problem in 2019. We've got too many people trying to be God. They're trying to determine... They think they know what God likes. They think they know everything. Uh, that, 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 that they think God thinks like they think about everything else. Well, that's a mouthful right there. And God doesn't think about everything the way I have personal opinions about everything. And I can't make my opinion cause harm to somebody because, because I'm wanting to, to express my own self and get frustrated with people and want to bring curse upon people who do it differently than me. Reviling or railing, that's, that's abusive, harsh, insolent language. That has no place among us. Blasphemy, rebelling against God in the Word of God, that has no place among us. Lying, bearing false witness, that has no place among us. We should be straightforward. We should not be deceitful people. And you can say something that is true, but you can say a true thing in a deceitful manner. And I'm just going to tell you, the Bible deals with that. And, and I've got scripture for that. I'm not going to quote them all tonight, but if you want them, you come. If, you're, if you like to do that and you don't agree with me, you come here and I'll show them to you, okay? But when you're, when you're saying things that are true in a deceitful way to get a certain reaction from people, you are still contradicting the Word of God. It's not pleasing to the Lord. Idle words, foolish, foolishness. Uh, he said that shouldn't be a part of who we are. That's why the psalmist said, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. He understood that he could not control his tongue without the help of God. And we must realize that, and we must pray the same thing that he prayed, and say, God, help me to control my tongue. Help me, God, to not speak things I do not need to speak, uh, and, and allow stuff to come out of my mouth that should never come out of my mouth. I need the help of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will be your help. He will be your help. He will help you. God is going to help you uh, know what to say, what not to say, if you will be sensitive to His Spirit. In Numbers 12, I end with this. How am I doing on time tonight? Oh, I'm doing good. Pat myself on the back. 
in Numbers 12, uh, it says in 12 and 1, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. <coughs> so there, this is what's interesting. The issue was not even the issue. Their real issue, they spake against Moses. Why? It tells us here. Because of the Ethiopian woman who he had married. That's why they spoke against him. But verse 2 said, and they said. So this is what they went around telling people. Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? So what they told people is, Moses is always the one speaking for God, but hasn't God spoken through us too? They, they acted as if that was the issue. But the real issue was, they had frustration with him because he'd married an Ethiopian woman. All right, y'all ready for, for church? <laughs> Are y'all okay tonight? Y'all ready for church trouble 101? Listen, typically when somebody's griping about something, the issue is never the issue. Mark it down. Write it down. Tuck it away somewhere. And you remember, pastor said this. The issue is never the issue. It's never the issue. There's always something behind it. And they get to talking as they did. And the Bible said that the Lord heard it. And when the Lord heard it, now the, Moses, the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were on the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and Aaron and Miriam, Come out, ye three, unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud. Yeah, he talked to them. <laughs> he came down in the pillar of the cloud, stood in the door of the tabernacle, and he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both stood, came forth. So all three of them are standing there, and God says, Aaron and Miriam, you come here. And they step forward. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision. I'll speak unto him in a dream. My servant Moses, this is so powerful to me. My, he said, If there's a prophet, I'll make myself known to him. But my servant Moses is not so. Moses isn't a prophet. He isn't such a man who is faithful in all mine house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently. That word, I went and looked at it today. That word means that God would even cause there to be a visible manifestation of his presence somehow. We would call it a theophany. God would allow a theophany to, to be seen of Moses as he would talk with him. Uh, not in dark speeches. I don't talk to him in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord, that, that a visible expression of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle. <coughs> and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow, and Aaron looked upon Miriam. Behold, she was leprous. Aaron turned to Moses. Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us wherein we have done foolishly, wherein we've sinned. Let her not be as one dead. 
Uh, verse 13, Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. That's somebody who knew how to use their tongue in the right way. That's a man who could have got upset about all that had been said about him. About all <laughs> that had been, that had been uh, scattered out about him. But instead, in that moment, he chose to say, Oh God, would you please have mercy upon her? Would you heal her, Lord? And so God said to Moses, Well, if her father had spit in her face according to the law, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp for seven days. After that, let her be received in again. And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. I am telling you tonight that God is so serious about this, that He uses this, uh, as a literal example of how he views it. Leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. And when that tongue was used for the wrong things, it didn't matter the intention behind it. It didn't matter if they thought they were right about Moses marrying an Ethiopian or not. They weren't, obviously. God was just fine with it. But whether they thought they were right or not didn't have nothing to do with it. God said, I don't care what your attention is. All I know is what you've gone around saying to people. And I hear what you said. And I'm not pleased with it. So I've got something to say to you. And he lets them know that they displeased him. And, and, and the visible sign of sin came upon her in the form of leprosy. It was a type of sin uh, in, 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 the, in the time of the law. And, and, uh, God, and Moses said, oh God, please don't hold this against her. Would you please heal her? And God said, she's going to be shut out of the camp seven days, and then you can welcome her back in. But I want everybody to know where I stand on this. And I'm going to tell you right now, if we get to opening our mouths about things that we should not be doing, and we get to sowing discord among the brethren, all that stuff. And again, this is preventative preaching. I'm teaching this night because we need to have these things taught. I'm not, de I'm not here to beat up anybody. I'm not, we're not having an issue with this, but I don't want to have an issue with this. If, if, if he said, I hate somebody who sows discord, and I'm going to, I'm going to uh, expose that to people at some point. Let me tell you something. If we get to talking about things we shouldn't be talking about, it's going to be only a matter of time, and God will expose that. And God's going to reveal our hearts, and God's going to reveal our spirit to somebody. And I don't want that to ever happen to me. I want to speak words of life. And whatever I say, whatever I type, Whatever, whatever I express publicly, let it be something that lifts up Jesus Christ. Let it be something that lifts up the church of Jesus Christ. And let it be something that causes people to want to be a part of Sanctuary Church. Can you clap your hands and say amen? If you're negative about it, why would they want to be a part of it? That's a great question, Pastor. So let's be positive about the things of God. Let's not, let, let, let's not give any occasion for there to be any evil spoken of the, thing, of, of the, of the church of the living God. And I'll, I end with this. There was a man that had somebody, this is just an old uh, story that's told, but it illustrates a point. Uh, you can stand with me this evening. There was a man that had somebody go out and spread some falsehoods about him. Uh, whether the man knew they were false or not, I don't know. But he went out saying things and telling things about this man he shouldn't have done. 
And when it was revealed that, that what he had said was not in fact true, he went to the man and he said, Oh, would you please forgive me? I've spoken against you when I should not have. And, and I know I've caused hurt to you. And, and would you please forgive me? And the man said, I do forgive you. He said, I want you to come with me. And he went up on top of a mountain. And he took with him a knife and a pillow, a feather pillow. And he cut that pillow open on top of that mountain as the wind was blowing up there. And he took it and shook it out. And the wind came and caught all those feathers and blew them every which direction. Blew them all over the place. Then he said, I want you to go get all those, those feathers and put them back in this pillow. And the man said to him, he said, that's an impossibility. I could never do that. And he said, that's true. He said, I also want you to know you'll never be able to take back the things that have harmed me in the eyes of so many people because of what you've said. And I forgive you, but I want you to think about that the next time you've got somebody else that you would say something about. I would tell you tonight, let us be careful. Let us be careful. Because I don't ever want to stand before God and feel like I pushed somebody away from God. I don't ever, <coughs> God forbid, I don't ever want it to be that somebody's kids stand in judgment of the Lord one day. And, and they're not right with God. And, and their eternal judgment uh, is, to a, is, is to a lake of fire. And, and me perhaps even see them uh, go into that lake of fire and the Lord say, depart from me. I never knew you. And me know that I had something to do with them growing up not knowing the Lord. We better think about, because what we say to somebody or about somebody is not just only to them or about them. But it affects people connected with them. It affects people connected with them. And we better think about that because whether they did you wrong or not, at the end of the day, that's going to be, you let that be between them and God, but you forgive them. And you let God sort all of those things out. Let God sort the, the wheat from the chaff and, and handle all. That's beyond our pay grade. But let it be said at the end of the day that I never did anything, God, to hinder anybody from living for you. I want to be the kind of a Christian that God can be pleased with. I want to be holy. I'm, I'm pursuing the high call of holiness in every way that I possibly can. I want to pursue the high call of holiness. Could we lift our hands right now and ask God to help us to let His Spirit bridle our tongues, to let us have the mind of Christ so that we won't just pop off and say the things we should not. Lord, would you help us? Lord, don't let there be a leprosy of our tongue. God, don't let that sin enter into our lives. But Lord, would you help us to be sensitive to your spirit? To be, to, to, to be ever so sensitive to what you would tell us to say or do. God, I want to be a blessing and I don't want to be a curse. God, I know bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same fountain. So I'm asking you, Lord, help, help this fountain be one of sweet water, God. Everything I do and say, God, let it... Let it bring glory to your kingdom and let it cause people to want to be involved with your kingdom. Amen, amen, amen. Is that all right? Amen. amen. God bless you. Thank you for uh, being part of this series. I've enjoyed teaching this and, and uh, I think it's been a blessing to all of us.